Hello folks. Welcome to Uncomplicate Health. Your podcast where we do just that. Uncomplicate your health. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about diets that work and diets that don't. With that, let's dive right in. So, all diets work and all of them don't let that sink in how can all of them work and not work at the same time so think about medicines do medicines work they do right but what if you don't take the right medicine what if you were not diagnosed correctly and therefore were not prescribed the right medicine will it work then or what if you've been told to take a medicine at a certain time of the day for a certain amount of time and you promptly don't will it work maybe maybe a bit maybe not at all or maybe it worked for a bit and then stopped working or maybe it didn't start working what if the side effects of the medicines were too much for you to handle and so you stop them clearly they won't work properly right diets are no different when done for the right duration and for the right reason and for the expected outcomes they work when not done that way they don't it's as simple as that if you think diets don't have side effects think again one of the most common reasons why people stop is because they're not able to handle their side effects the side effects may not be your classic side effects that you may think are associated with medicines but less drastic ones that nevertheless affect the diet itself like medicines diets can be done for a range of duration and this is where a lot of people lose the plot certain diets are meant to be or rather they work best when done for a short duration very often patients tell me that they were unable to sustain a diet beyond a certain number of days usually that happens when a diet is not meant to be done for life a diet that was not meant to be sustained for a few years they come back disappointed and usually any weight that was lost comes back too now if there is one single way for a diet to work it's the ability for you to sustain it remember sustainability is not just for the environment it's for diets too So if you can't sustain the diet then the diet simply won't work for you worse it can trigger a chain of reaction in your body that can make it worse than when you started off but like i mentioned before some diets are not meant to be sustainable actually wait let me rephrase that some diets are not meant to be sustainable for a long time they are meant to give you a quick start so that it motivates you but once it achieves a certain effect there's no point in continuing that diet further which is where your expectations come to, into play setting the right expectations go a long way in making a diet sustainable well how we'll deal with it in a different episode but let's just understand the mind plays an important role and the role of the mind 
is extremely important and underestimated in keeping your diet when your diet goes as expected you will keep at it and fight the small urges to go off target but if it doesn't then you are more likely to give up earlier so setting expectations play a huge role in the success of your chosen diet next why are you on a diet because it's fashionable did you read something about it a certain celebrity you follow lost a certain number of kgs now the reason for doing something is interlinked with expectations so if you're trying to lose weight then you expect to lose weight duh right but if you're trying a certain diet to combat certain health problems then you will expect that the health problems go away but for that to happen you have to sustain it for the time it takes for your health to adapt to this but what if you're doing something to avoid animal cruelty you may not be able to see the impact immediately but you'll have to keep going trust me i have patients who start off with noble intentions and give up in a few months simply because they didn't have the expectations right so let me reiterate what i just said for diets to work we need to put them into a few lenses first is it sustainable second what is the expected outcome and what time frame third your reason for doing the diet oh and one more thing is it dangerous with that let's look at some of the most common diets and see if we can put them into this frame understand how and why they work and see how best they can help you with that let's talk about intermittent fasting it's been a rage hasn't it some swear by it others simply cannot handle it some don't even want to try it there are apps that guide you on how long you should fast and how many hours you can eat but let's try and break down this diet do you know that camels can store water for up to a week in their hump clearly in desert conditions it is a boon where is the hump in our body the last time i checked we don't have one we weren't designed to eat and store food for a week but neither were we designed to eat every 3 hours so clearly intermittent fasting is not meant for us but here's the caveat neither are antibiotics or painkillers but when our body is overwhelmed with microbes we do need antibiotics right and when we are in pain painkillers offer relief but we don't need them every single day well if we do then something's clearly not right intermittent fasting is like that it's not a lifestyle choice meaning it's not meant to be done routinely every day but like medicines it does have a role and can help at certain times do you know that 99% of us do intermittent fasting yep while we sleep for about 8 hours or whatever duration you get continuous sleep we all do intermittent fasting let's put this intermittent fasting into perspective now your stomach can actually expand about 40 times its original size yep but it doesn't 
you'll start to feel very uncomfortable long before that starts to happen. But we may want to keep eating long after we've taken enough for our body's needs. So if we consistently overeat, our stomach starts to expand faster and sooner because it gets programmed to accommodate all the food that we put in. But if the stomach is meant to expand, why is that a problem? Well, our brains. Our brains get signal using hormones from our stomach that tell the brain that you've had enough. Now these sensors are there all over your stomach, but in the top part of the stomach where the fundus is, it's concentrated a little bit more. Makes sense, right? If it was concentrated in the bottom, as soon as the first muscle goes in, you're going to feel full. But there seems to be a delay of about 20 minutes before you actually start to feel full for the signals to go from your stomach to your brain because the stomach has overexpanded. So it's taking longer for the signals to start going to the brain. Now the body has an amazing ability to heal within reason of course. So how do we help it heal faster? In this case, how do we help the stomach not start expanding as soon as we start eating, but rather to tell the brain at the right time that we've had enough. That is where intermittent fasting comes in. Once you start doing intermittent fasting within a few days or at best in a couple of weeks, you will start to feel full sooner than you used to. But you can derail this process if you go all out during the times you eat. Let's say you fast for 14 hours and eat for 10 hours. During those 10 hours, if you go all out and keep expanding your stomach, you're not going to allow this process to happen. Now, because you aren't eating for about 14 hours, you may lose a little bit of weight because your overall calorie count may be a little low. But that's not what intermittent fasting is for. Remember, it's not a lifestyle choice. So you have to do it effectively for a short time and then stop. Now, don't quote me here. It's not really how it works in the back end. But if I have to oversimplify it, think of intermittent fasting like a non-surgical way of getting your stomach size back on track. For it to work, you need to fast and not stuff yourself during the time that you eat. So in a nutshell, intermittent fasting is not a lifestyle measure. So you don't have to and it shouldn't do it all your life. It works best when you don't overeat during your non-fasting hours. will help stop your stomach from expanding too quickly and therefore send the signals in time to your brain, which then sends the signals back to say that you're full. So for it to work optimally, I'm going to reiterate this again. You should not overeat during your non-fasting hours. Now for it to work well, you need to eat smaller meals during your non-fasting time. You shouldn't do it for more than 12 weeks, even though for most of us about 6 weeks should do the job. If you have diabetes or on any medication that lower blood sugar, you shouldn't be doing it without talking to your doctor. Now you should start to notice that you feel full a little earlier than usual. 
and you can stop intermittent fasting when you start to feel full by about 8 to 10 mouthfuls of food that means the job is done so let it let us put it through our lens is it sustainable it doesn't have to be because it's for a short duration what should you expect two things you should start to feel fuller sooner than usual you may lose a little bit of weight but don't worry if it's not too much because this is meant to give you a kick start what is the right reason to do it to kick start a weight loss effort this is a great way to start because it will help the next phase become easier because your stomach will start to send the right signals at the right time is it dangerous well usually not but for folks for whom extended fasting is dangerous should absolutely avoid it like people who have diabetes or who are taking uh, medicines to lower their blood sugars pregnant and breastfeeding women children for all of them it's not really recommended and if you have trouble with acidity then extended periods of fasting can worsen acidity so besides this for most of us it is safe so does intermittent fasting make sense now does it make sense as to where it works why it works when it works and for whom it works okay great so now let's look at atkins i know i'm calling it atkins but this applies to most of the other low carbohydrate diets you know while atkins is the most famous there are many similar diets that focus on low carbohydrate some have phases some make you do it in one go and some come with a whole lot of variations between them but all of them have one common theme which is take lower carbohydrates in your diet now let's try and understand these types of diets the body needs energy to work ah the i know but since we are not eating 24/7 the body needs energy 24/7 yes even when you sleep there needs to be an efficient way to store and retrieve energy on a regular basis the easiest to break down and convert to energy are the carbs fats are quite difficult to break down to convert them to energy on the go proteins are a little more difficult but let's not get there so the body stores what is required for immediate consumption in a form of carbohydrate called the glycogen and converts the rest to fats to be stored in what we call the adipose tissue when it runs out of this stored glycogen it then starts burning the fat to fuel the energy needs if it is so difficult to break down fats why doesn't the body store the excess food as glycogen instead of storing them as fat trust me it is to keep us all thin confusing well what happens when you try and pour some water on sugar it dissolve right but when you try and pour water on some oil it won't so if the body stores all the excess energy as carbs this will also attract water and this will suck water from places close by and we'll all be twice the size that we actually are 
but it will also cause other problems because blood and all forms of liquid will be sucked in wherever it is stored. At the same time, so much of carbohydrate will also attract a lot of microorganisms. Remember why diabetes, uh, people with diabetes have more risk of having urinary infections. It's simply because a lot of sugar is going to attract microbes because that is also easy food for the microorganisms. Again, I'm going to oversimplify it, but you get the point. There are problems to storing too much as carbs. So in a way to optimize space and protect us from infections, the body stores it as fat. Now what happens when you don't give it enough carbs? It starts burning the stored fat. And that is the basis of the low carb diet. But what happens when the diet you take is very low in carbs, but is twice the amount of fat that you need? Well, it kind of defeats the purpose. So now to make these low carb diets work, your overall calorie requirement, you know, so to make these low carb diets work, the amount of calories that you take should be about 20% lower than your resting energy. Now this is called the BMR or the basal metabolic rate. You can use various calculators online to calculate your uh, BMR. But for most of us, it's about 2000 calories. So the best way to make low carb diets work is to consume about 1600 calories. Now out of which less than 25%, which means less than 400 calories should come from carbs in your diet. At the same time, only about another four to 600 should come from fats and the rest should come from proteins. So remember that when we talk about low carb diets, we are missing the point that it's actually high protein diets. Now there's an upside to this. Lots of studies have shown that low carb diets can also help in reducing inflammation, can make people sleep better, control blood pressure better, and have a lot of favorable effects on diabetes and a whole lot of other benefits. How? Our traditional concept of balanced diet did not account for our increased stress levels that we have today. A lot of what we call as balanced diet was designed a long time ago. And at that time, we weren't sitting and scrolling social media as much as we are doing today. So generally, a lower level of activity has become the norm. Increased stress has become the norm. And therefore, the way we do our diet should also reflect of where we are today. So in a nutshell, these low carb diets can be a lifestyle choice. Will definitely reduce your chance of obesity or help you uh, bring your weight back to normal range. It will help you reduce weight faster than a plain calorie deficient diet, which means that if you take a balanced diet, 20% lower than what you actually need versus taking a low carb diet or let me rephrase it, a low carb high protein diet less than 20% of what your body's energy requirements are, you will lose weight faster with a low carb diet. And you also have other benefits like making you sleep better, controlling your blood sugar, reducing inflammation among all the others. So to make this work, the low carb diet should not overcompensate on calories 
to make up for the lower cost it should be about 20% lower than your daily energy requirement and out of the diet that you take about 25% should come from uh, carbs about another 25-30% from fat and the remaining should come from proteins so let's sum it up and put it through our lens is it sustainable yes if you're trying to lose weight you can go on a slightly calorie deficit if you're not trying to lose weight you can eat a little closer to what you're actually your actual energy need now since no food is restricted too much there's hardly any problem in sustaining it the sustaining effort comes only from the slightly lower energy that you are putting in what to expect if you're trying to lose weight this is a good diet to follow up after you start off on intermittent fasting so that way you keep the pace of weight loss while also keeping it sustainable unlike intermittent fasting which is a lot more difficult if you're not doing this for weight loss then you can continue this forever because it's sustainable reasons to do this weight loss is an obvious reason but if you've been diagnosed with pre-diabetes or lots of inflammation in your body this might be a good diet to you know help you get your body back on track is it dangerous for most people it's not but if you're sick or if you're recovering from illness you shouldn't do it now why is that because your body is putting in extra effort to burn fat but that effort is better utilized in helping you recover from an illness also this may not work for athletes very close to their events or for those who are constantly on the run so for them you can kind of tweak the amount of carbs to see what level keeps you comfortable so with that atkins or any kind of low carb diets should work for you so now as a continuation of these low carb diets let's also look at keto it's been a rage in recent years isn't it a lot of them swear by it some can't stand it in a way keto is the ultimate low carb diet you know it's literally a no carb diet so now you know that the body needs carbs and it breaks down fat to make carbs when it needs energy sure it takes a little more effort but it makes it work the problem here though is your brain you'll agree that the brain is an important organ right after all well i don't think we need to explain why the brain is important or justified now since it's so important your brain can actually function without carbs yep because the brain is so important it's designed in a way where unlike other body parts that need carbs the brain can also function from ketones Now, where do these ketones come from the burning of fat produces ketones and because the brain is so important it decided that while the fats are breaking down it's not going to wait till it gets carbs but also going to feed on ketones the brain is well the brain so when it's constantly feeding off ketones it signals to itself that there is a famine of sorts and that you're not getting enough food so it kind of goes into a protection mode to cut down energy needs and this is why some people 
when they are on constant keto they feel very low on energy they feel that their immunity isn't great and all sorts of problems that some people on keto experience also food is more than just fuel for the body so if you're having a tough day or high stress you don't get your comfort food it may worsen your mood and that trigger a chain of reaction whereas for others who adapt to it they feel high on energy they feel great so the problem is not just your brain right but the ketones themselves now these ketones are kind of acidic so when your body enters an acidic kind of state in an extreme case you can have what is called a ketone breath a kind of a fruity smell in your breath and in very very extreme cases it can cause serious acidic state in your body that can cause you to lose your senses and kind of bring all kinds of trouble but that happens only in extreme cases why because completely removing carbs is, from our diet is very difficult most things we eat right even in your keto diet there will be a little bit of carb and usually i think the keto itself allows for about 5% of it to come from carbs so it's unlikely that you're going to have zero carbs so the extreme cases are extreme simply because we won't get a zero carb diet we are unlikely to get a zero carb diet so in some form it takes care of the immediate needs which is what comes from the ketones and and the fats while the excess protein that you know the keto diet usually gives us helps us build things like muscles cartilage good skin and good immunity now why do some folks struggle with keto in more ways than one most common reason why keto diets fail is because there is too much carb in the keto diet which doesn't create the necessary keto state in your body so when it doesn't give you enough weight loss at the same time not feeding uh, you with comfort food you kind of lose interest so the brain doesn't see the point of it it kind of gives up another reason why keto diets fail is if there is too much fat and too little protein in the diet which will then cause the body's protein to start breaking down and breaking down too much of the body's protein can lead to you know essential things going haywire remember that the body is actually a protein producing factory so it needs the proteins from the nutrients and other proteins to make your muscle skin cartilage and all the other things that proteins are made of so in a nutshell keto is actually a very extreme form of low carb diet for some people it can cause problems because of the constant keto state leading to the acidic environment in the body for others who take an optimal keto diet with sufficient amount of proteins a little bit of fat and zero to very little carbs they should be okay so to make keto diets work well for weight loss it must be low carb it must be moderate fats and it must be high proteins and like any weight loss diet low carb doesn't mean high calorie so your total calorie should be under control so let us put let us put this through now our for our lens is it sustainable well here the answer is going to be qualified because for some people it is sustainable if you get the right keto food that doesn't affect your mood doesn't put you constantly in in a very high acidic state 
you will find it enjoyable you will have more energy you will feel great for some for whom it does maybe a slightly lesser strict diet like an atkins with which is low carb will might be better what to expect initially you may have some mood swings in the initial days and it's going to take some time to learn to make keto and adjust all your normal foods into keto uh and you may feel a little low these are things that you should expect usually if you go past the first few days you will start to feel a lot better but about 4 to 6 weeks into your keto if you're losing weight but your mood swings are getting worse bad maybe keto is not for you atkins might be better the reason to do this well pretty much weight loss and nothing else for all the other benefits uh that keto gives you you can get the same with a low carb diet is it dangerous well it can be so you should do this with caution in the long run again this is a qualified answer because for some people the body gets too acidic and that is where a lot of these problems come from and all the reasons why you should avoid a low carb diet also apply to keto diets so does keto diet make sense to you now do you think it's for you who why how and when does it work and how to make the most of keto diet i hope you have your answers let's move on to paleo diet some time ago paleo was a rage doesn't seem to be as much of a rage right now but there are a lot of takers for paleo diet so what is paleo diet so basically what did we eat when we didn't have so much of agriculture and farming pretty much that is what the paleo diet is this has got more to do with philosophy than actual science when it was created but once it was done the science has shown a few benefits so let's take a deep dive actually you know what there's not much depth to dive in paleo believes that grains like rice and wheat aren't great for the body yes there is some truth to this because of something called as the anti nutrients yes there is such a term called anti nutrients this refers to compounds in food that prevent the absorption of other nutrients but not just grains a lot of foods have anti nutrients but for those who can't tolerate it the grains cause problems when i say grains you know i mean your rice your wheat so in a way paleo also advocates giving up on processed foods because the amount of well processing and chemicals involved in the process which also have a lot of these anti nutrients in a way the grains are extremely processed right the rice we eat is dehusked the wheat and the wheat and flour are processed to such a great extent and even dairy is severely processed so paleo believes that staying away from all this will reduce your inflammation and a few studies have actually proven this while some of them are inconclusive so paleo believes in taking whole and unprocessed foods like your fruits your vegetables your lean proteins your nuts and your seeds so how does this work like i said not much to deep dive in but when you remove your rice and wheat and flour and the likes from your diet you automatically take a lot less of carbs 
and when you take complex natural foods like your uh, fruits and vegetables the amount of carbs that you take are balanced by the amount of fiber that is present in the natural food so this way because there's a lot less free carbs these foods also play a role in reducing the inflammation in your body and as a result usually it means that you are taking a lot less calories per day and because of that it aids in weight loss while also improving a good number of blood parameters so paleo is a diet that focuses on whole foods and less processed food it cuts out large sources of diet based inflammation for those who are affected by it how do we make paleo work for weight loss well it comes down to the same thing about 20% lower than your bmr is what your daily calorie intake should be even if it's in the form of a paleo diet now if you're not looking to lose weight and if it's purely to reduce inflammation then this is a great diet to be on if you can handle not taking the rice and the wheat and the dairy and as a result the cakes so is it sustainable it purely depends on why you're doing this if it's for weight loss there are actually better ways to do it you can start out with intermittent fasting move on to keto and then do a low carb diet for the rest of your life and you'll probably uh, get to where you are but if it's for lifestyle and energy due to high diet based inflammation then yes it is sustainable if you can live without the things that are made of flour for most people it may not be what to expect if you're doing it for weight loss then expect to lose weight slowly if you're doing it because you feel you have too much inflammation in your body that's causing you know to handle your stress badly poor sleep then you can see improvements in about 8 weeks for an inflamed body this is a good reason to do it for weight loss not so much so like i said it's more of a philosophy than it is about the science behind it is it dangerous not really so unlike keto there's no risk of creating an acidic environment so it is safe for most folks so in a safety scale you know it's probably right up there because there's hardly anything that can go wrong with this so that's was quite short wasn't it let's move on to the vegan diet this is going to be quite simple if you're concerned about animal cruelty then this is a no brainer go ahead and do it and it's important to understand that because every other reason in my opinion is either made up or exaggerated or unproven now there are papers that show health benefits but a lot of them are over exaggerated and sometimes play with statistics and the studies that don't show the benefits or show harmful effects are not published but remember this is true for everything not just vegan diet so if you're doing it purely for health reasons there may be other ways to do it but if you're concerned about animal cruelty then there's no other diet that can take away your guilt than going vegan now if you're combining health benefits then it gets a little more complex and let's understand why a lot of us are used to certain foods and some of us dive into vegan seamlessly by sticking to fruits and vegetables and nuts and grains and anything that doesn't have a 
pinch of animal involved and those folks do great the energies are great because a lot of the guilt goes away they are feeling a lot better and there's a lot of positives to it and then there are some of us who are looking for vegan alternatives for food and this is usually where the problems start to come in why because sometimes these foods are extremely processed and that comes with a whole set of long term problems that have not yet been studied now you have plant based something that looks and feels like meat these are extremely processed in the factory so for vegan diet to work well from a health point of view you have to stick to foods that aren't processed as much if you're trying to lose weight then like every other diet your overall calorie has to be lower than your bmr by about 20% right and if you're all for animal cruelty then it's a no brainer just, just just go for it so if you put that into our life is it sustainable if you're an animal lover this is sustainable for you and that will probably take priority over everything else if you're doing it purely for health reasons it's unlikely to be sustainable since it's a lifestyle choice this is a lifestyle choice and it will become sustainable if you stick to non processed foods but if you're not doing this for animal loving there are other diets that can give you something similar what to expect if you're sticking to non processed foods clean eating then you can expect to see a lot more energy in a few weeks you'll have to find actively find ways to consciously include more protein from natural sources if you're taking processed food in an attempt to have a vegan version of your normal foods then from a health point you will end up feeling very similar or maybe slightly better what is the reason to do it guilt of animal cruelty that should be your number one and in fact your only reason this things about health benefits climate control and all other reasons don't have the exact same effects that is being claimed but there is absolutely no doubt that it is zero animal cruelty is it safe well if you're sticking to the non processed foods as much as possible then it's absolutely safe but if you are going for extremely processed foods that are loaded with chemicals to make and taste like the non vegan alternatives then we don't have enough data to justify it maybe we'll find out sooner than later so that takes care of the top diets that are doing the rounds and then there is something called the liquid diet the ultra low calorie diets and others there are million diets out there so i'm going to combine the remaining here the answer is don't do it unless under expert supervision your favorite celebrity may have a battalion of nutritionists and doctors to monitor his or her liquid diet only meat diet or only fruit diet and usually all of them will have some form of very high calorie restriction and usually they have a purpose which is usually though not always to make money out of looking good so for those who have the luxury of not working 9 to 5 and not dealing with day to day office stress or business problems uh, and have the time to actually work on their diets with a battery of nutritionists and doctors monitoring them 
in a result to look good or feel good and present themselves on screen they may work and they do in fact they do work but for most of us this will create more trouble than benefits it may seem like the benefits outweigh the risk but as a doctor was treated lots of patients who come after destroying their bodies with unproven diets i can tell you that all of them regret doing it including sometimes people who have done it to make money so as a parting note let me just finish by saying that persistence here is the key right and for persistence to happen the diet has to be sustainable if you've come this far i'm assuming you're either looking for weight loss or to understand if a certain diet will help you in your health problems uh, or if a vegan is a great way to go so pick something that you can stick to if it is meant to uh, be sustainable over the run, over the long run if not use things like intermittent fasting for what they were meant to be which is to give you a kick to give you a kick start in fact to get started to get started on your weight loss journey with that i'm going to end this podcast uh, this episode and i hope you have a reasonable understanding of uh, what the various diets do how they do it for whom it works for whom it doesn't and how to get the best of these diets thank you very much for listening so far and i hope you have a great week ahead